hey Georgia, there's a real um, humble anointing upon you when you play, um, when you share your gift. Um, I, we don't spend a lot of time together, so I don't know whether it's a struggle or whether it comes easy. I don't know if there's times you wish that you had more confidence or less confidence. I, I, I don't know. But your gift is really close to the heart of God, yeah? Um, and I, I, I feel that when you play, God's not only pleased because there's an ease in which we step into his presence. And in whatever you're going to do, I believe, and I want to speak life into your gift because it's, it's really wonderful. Um, I, I don't know what anyone else, you know, thinks. And I shared a word with young Ben about not forgetting the gifts and the gifts that he's received through the laying on of hands. And I would just share that with you too. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, don't forget this gift. Because whether it's in your alone time or in your corporate time, you have access to the Father, yeah? Uh, and it, the picture I saw was almost of Daddy sitting on the throne. It's funny because I only saw it in part when we were praying earlier. But it was like Father God sitting on a throne and all of his children coming, but you were there beside him playing, you know, almost like the Pied Piper. And as you were playing, people were just coming and sitting at his feet, yeah? And so be encouraged. God lo loves you and loves your gift. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Only if I could sing in tune. Praise God, I'm up the front. <laughs> I think the worship team must always, the closer I get to the front, they think, no, no, we can hear you now. <laughs> uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we got, God, we know just in the same way that the sun is breaking through outside in the community, Lord, through the trees and through the clouds, Lord, we know that you're... You've got breakthrough planned for us in this place today. Lord, some of us may have walked into this house heavy and burdened, but Lord God, you're about to shine your light through your sun. Lord, there's going to be breakthrough in areas that we had never expected it. Father, today we come with hearts that are open, expecting healing, God. Healing in our spirits and healing in our bodies, Father. We're, Lord, believing that doors that have been closed in our hearts will be open, Father, that you will make your way in. Lord, that you will have your way. Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do today. Lord, that at the end of it all, we would be more and more and more like your son, Jesus. So we give you all the glory and all the praise. And all these children said, Amen. I had a really scary moment today. I um, had my sermon. I was just going through the last few things at home. Mel was already here at the church with Samuel and I had Nathan and being Nathan, you, you have to tell him to put his socks and shoes on 33, 34 times. And meanwhile, my tablet decides it wants to do an update as, you know, pieces of electronics do. And I thought, it asked me, do you want to do this update? I go, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll do this update. Should be fine before church. <laughs> that was at 10 to 9. At 25 past nine, when I rolled up here, it was still doing this update. So I'm starting to stress. I'm thinking, I'm going to have to do what I've not done since I was a young man and preach off bits of paper. But I found that as I put the paper down and started to slide, the words weren't moving. <laughs> and then I realised the last time I used paper, I had a book. And so as I finished the page, I turned the page, well... This is different because I've got different sheets of paper, so it's a whole new system I've never used. And I thought, we're in for a disastrous morning. But lo and behold, Jesus is alive and he's on his throne. And technology came good at the touch of his hand and me crying in the office, please, Lord. So anyway, just some of you thinking, oh, well, suck it up. Get over it. But I was thinking, this is really, this is really, this is bad. Anyway. Um, I've really enjoyed 
the last few weeks. We were really blessed last week, weren't we, with Alan Meyer, I thought. He's such a dynamic speaker and a wonderful teacher of the word. I love his humour, you know. He just, I love what he brings to the table. It was just, I thought it was healthy and, and good because what I believe he brought, there was a few weeks ago when Mel spoke, Mel talked about for us to build a sustainable faith, to, to have roots that go so deep into the ground that, you know, what we see on top is only half the size of what's really gone down into our faith. To build that type of faith, we need to get into the Word. We need to make time with God. We need to do those things, you know. And then Alan comes along and starts talking about his disciplines or his delights. For, so if you weren't here last week, you were saying there's some disciplines. As Christians, there's some disciplines that we should put into our life so that we can grow, you know. And I loved it because he shared that at the church that he's at at the moment at Stairway uh, with his pastor, Peter McHugh. Peter doesn't like using the word discipline because he's already a disciplined man. And to add another discipline is only another area where he can fail. So he prefers to call it a delight, the delights of God. <laughs> but I don't know if you recall for those that were here. And he turned around and he just said, but for me, he goes, he goes I'm lazy, I'm slothful, I'm naughty. I need discipline, you know. I thought, Wow. I can understand both sides. This is a really good reality to be in because I dislike the word discipline. But I loved how he carried on from Mel. You know, I just, I just felt like without saying anything to him, the Spirit of God is just taking us on this journey of building a deep, sustainable faith, faith that will get us through our trials and tribulations. And so today I want to try to continue in, in that ilk to a degree, um, but it's going to be a little bit different. Just a little bit different. Because I think it's in part, we need, we, you know, we need that discipline of getting into the word of God. We need that discipline of reading and doing those things. But I think there's another discipline, another delight that we, sh we need to grab hold of that's going to determine how deep we go in our faith. Yeah? So if you've got your Bibles turned or your tablets or phones or otherwise it'll be on the screen. But we're going to have a look at 1 Timothy 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. What a great scripture, my goodness. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let me just read that again. In case... It wasn't heavy enough already. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I was sitting in my office some weeks ago and um, I, I was, Mel and I have been chatting about the thought that, you know, to build a sustainable faith almost comes in three parts and one is our diligent um, study of the word and prayer, those spiritual disciplines. But then there are another two, and one of those is service. The one that I want to talk about today, I think, is family. See, we can't build a sustainable faith without family, our spiritual family. It, it can't, cannot, will not, won't happen, yeah? And then I come across this scripture, and you won't be able to see it, but I just underlined it, and I wrote one word underneath it, because I didn't know what to do with it. And I just wrote, wow. What do, I, what do you do with this scripture? Like seriously, you read it. Anyone who doesn't provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Wow. And, you know, can you elaborate a little bit, God? Can you flesh this out? Can you take some of the pain off it? You know, can you make it a little bit easier to swallow? Maybe make it a smaller bite. Should we have had some more, you know, maybe a bit more grammar within that verse just so I could actually take it bit by bit, you know? Let's break it down into bite-sized chunks. It's a really tough word. So I've come to this conclusion. If that's in the Bible, then I'm going to suggest that family is really important to God. Is that a fair call? Yeah. It's okay to talk in church. I know I've been saying it for five years and in another five it'll be in the culture and I'll be saying it's okay to be silent in church. But that day hasn't arrived yet. 
It's okay to talk in church. It's okay to get along and support and encourage, yeah? Even today, I loved it. Trev, you had so much passion today, you know. It was probably a God thing that we had Rob coming in second because they have the same heart but different delivery, you know. <laughs> so we were just like, oh, yeah, okay, we're going to do that. <sighs> okay, thank you, Rob. Because <laughs> if Rob had started, we probably would have said, okay, we need to pick this up a bit. So the balance, you know, you've got to love the way the family of God works. Just, or it just might be me, the way I look at things. The family's got to be important. And I can't help but think that many of us in the West probably don't do that, follow that scripture physically really well in comparison to some European cultures and Asian cultures and indigenous cultures. You know, they, they just seem to understand family better than what we do in the West, I reckon, I believe. You know, it could be a sweeping generalisation, but I, I'm reasonably confident in it. And so in light of that, in looking how we live in Australia and in, in, in our Western culture and reading that scripture, that scripture's really scary. Like, it's really scary because family, obviously, is really important and must be really important. Now, again, I want to suggest that the physical and spiritual realm are connected. You know, one affects the other. And in fact, what we live here on the earth is often just a mirror of what's happening spiritually. It's, we even pray the prayer, don't we? On earth as it is in heaven. So the stuff that's outworking here is really, to a degree, a, a, it ends up being a poor mirror, but a mirror of what's happening spiritually. So I started to think about, well, how important then is family to Father God? How important is family to Daddy? How, how important is it to him? Now, I don't think this is rocket science, so I'm hoping that I don't burst anyone's bubble here. But, but, some of you could be shocked by this. Do you know the only way, well, one of the only ways to get into a family, your family, is to be born into it? Okay? How's that? Wow, I know. Who would have figured? Who would have thought? Or, or, obviously... You could be adopted into it, yeah? The only way to be part of a family, to, to be, get into a family, is to be born into it or adopted into it. Look, there's really no other way. You just don't fall out of a car and someone picks you up and goes, oh, son, daughter, mother, father. It doesn't work like that, yeah? You're either coming out of, you know, you're either being birthed somewhere or you're being invited in and adopted in and taken in somewhere. That's the way it works. I know some of you are shocked. Please speak to me after. But watch this. Did you know when Jesus died on the cross, God does both of those things for us? Like both of them. He, he, does, he does both of them. Because we're born again. And we're born into the family of God when we're born again. And if that's not enough, then the Bible goes on to say that he has adopted us into his family. Now... There's something really special about that because if you know anything about Roman law, particularly during New Testament times, if you gave birth to a child, yeah, you could disown it. So New Testament times, Roman law, if you gave birth to a child, you could disown it. But if you adopted a child, you were not allowed ever in the life of that child to disown it. Under Roman law. So now we're starting to see God's plan in action when we read the word, when he says, you've been born again into the family. But there's still a loophole, yeah, particularly in the culture of that day where you can disown the child. And then he says, but I've adopted you. See, our father can never disown you. Yes, you can walk away from him, but he will never, ever disown you. Like, that's, that's awesome stuff. That's really exciting. Like, that's when you clap and go, yes, devil, like, stick that. That's good stuff. That's how important it is. That's how important family is to God. See, it's his, it's his perfect plan. It's his perfect design. And so he adopts us into his family forever. Like, just forever. Forever. Man, you can run, you can hide. As far as he's concerned, forever, yeah? 
prodigal son took off. What was the father doing? Waiting for him to come back forever, 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 forever. You know, and over the last month or so, I've had plenty of time to contemplate life in general. You know, particularly family. The good times, frustrating times, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, the things that you experience, the frustrations, the highs, the lows of family. Just, I'm talking family, family, physical family, husband, wife, child, you know, partners, grandparents, uncles, aunties, just family. You know, just the frustration that goes along with that. But no one else. I know you've all got perfect families, correct? All got perfect families. You're written into everybody's will. They all love you. You never argue. You know, things are sweet from the moment you wake up till you go to bed. It's like the colour bond moment. There's music playing, people walking through the house, people ringing up. It's all like that, isn't it? It's like the sound of music, yeah? You just, ah, like that for you? It's not like that for me. You know, like if I'm meant to be open and honest and transparent, there are times, seriously, it's like if this was a telephone, be like, g'day, yeah. Is that you, Dave and Naomi? Look, thanks very much. Yeah, you can come and pick up our kids in about 15 minutes and we'll, uh, we'll grab them in about a month. Yeah, no worries. Okay, bye-bye. Again, none of you have ever felt that, thought that ever. Yeah, just me. I know. Even, I probably couldn't even, even share it if Mel was here because she'd be saying, that's not me. I'm not like that, you know. You know, the times that family has been so hard and painful that you just wonder. Rob and I were really privileged to sit with George um, Snyman on Friday, the founder of Hands at Work. And he was just sharing that because the drought is so severe in South Africa at the moment, in the middle of the night, husbands are just walking away from their homes and leaving their wives and children because they just can't cope with the responsibility you know, of raising their families because it's so severe. And I know we don't have anything that comes close uh, to that in our culture, in our, in our Western society. You know, we're never going to have a drought that's so bad that we actually can't have water. You know? We may have to shorten the showers and our grass may not be watered and I'll probably have to pay to get my car washed rather than just doing it you know, at home. But there was a reality in that. There are times sometimes life's so tough, particularly in family life, that you just, you know, you hear it from older kids, you hear it from mums, you hear it from dads, you just hear it where you just think, I wonder if it'd be easier if I just walk away. But again, I know, it's not you. It's just me in those bad moments. When I get that bad coffee, that's, I go straight there, you know. Just easier if I walk away. But in it all, I see the similarities between our physical families and God's family. See, you and I are God's family, born again into it, then adopted to get the seal where he'll never disown you. And the church is God's family. He died for us. See, family's not something you go to. Family's something that you belong to, Yeah? That's why you still put up with the Christmas dinners and the birthdays with the nieces and nephews and stepbrother and stepsister or mother-in-law or father-in-law and you put up with those things because it's not something you go to, it's something that you belong to. Yeah. And in the same way, if the church is God's family, church is not something you go to, church is something that we belong to. Yeah. Like it's... It's, it's a good thing. 1 Timothy 3.15. The, the, the New Living Translation reads this way. So that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of truth. But there's a version, the GW, God's Word Version translation, that reads exceptionally well. It'll be up on the screen, I believe. And it reads, in case I'm delayed, I want you to know how people who are members of God's family must live. God's family is the church of the living God. Yeah? Look around you. God's family is the church of the living God. The pillar and foundation of the truth. That's us. God's family. 
We belong to the church. We can't be separated from it. Woohoo! Quick, there's a working bee coming. No. We've been born into it. Born into his family, his church. And it just so happens for you and I today, Mount Clear happens to be that home for us today. For those listening, it's wherever you are. It just it depends where you are. But we're born into this thing. It's ours. It's our family. It's not something we go to. It's something that we belong to. We've been adopted so that we can be united with it. Never to be disowned. Oh, I love that. Never to be disowned. It's our family. It's daddy's family. So in, in light of all of that, I, I, I can now see why family is so important to God. But, but even more so, I'm starting to understand what Jesus said because we've got to now go back and see what Jesus said in the Gospels because he said something that was so profound. In Matthew 12, verse 46, it says, As Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Someone told Jesus, Your mother your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, You've got to get this, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he pointed to his disciples and said, Look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. I've heard it preached to death and it's just so wrong that you're supposed to hate your family for the sake of the gospel. And I don't mean hate in hate, but I mean that you've got to put God's work before your family. That's not what the scripture is saying. See, this scripture, because... God's family, the church is his design. This is a prophetic word from God. It's, he speaks prophetically into the nations. And he's saying, who's my family? It's not just your mum and your dad. Who's my family? It's the church that I'm going to die for. It's the church that you're about to be adopted into. It's my father's family. Where your mum and dad are at the door, your sister, but no, no, here they are. I'm about to die for you. It's a prophetic word. Smack in the middle of the Gospels. Man, what a brilliant word. So I'll go back to the statement I made earlier. The physical and the spiritual, they affect each other. And often what we see here on earth is a reflection of what's in heaven. If you can't look after your own family, then you're worse than an unbeliever. He's talking to the church. He's talking to the church. He's talking to us, how we live amongst each other, how we communicate, how we love, how we do life, how we encourage, how we counsel, how we pick up, how we get alongside. He's talking to us. See, Paul's writing this letter to Timothy. He's instructing him, but he's writing to believers. And he's saying, if you can't look after your own family, like in life, you know, particularly the Western culture that we live in. Let's face it, children leave parents, don't they? You know, and even in some countries, they try to divorce them, so to speak, even earlier. You know, parents leave children, grandparents get put out into homes. And I understand there's a need for that at times. Yeah, please understand my heart. Some brothers and sisters, some siblings, some families haven't seen each other or spoken to each other for years. You know, in our Italian culture, you'd go to a wedding and, you know, Joe couldn't sit next to Mary or couldn't sit next to Frank because they had a feud or their grandparents did 30 years ago and now they can't sit together even though they're family. Like, it's just ridiculous. People hold grudges. People cut members of their family off. They stop visiting each other. They don't get together. And, and, and when you talk about it at all, it's, all, it's like it's okay, Yeah? The sad thing is, the same thing happens in the church. Or, or to put it differently, the same thing happens in daddy's family. But family's not supposed to be like that, is it? Seriously, family's not supposed to be like that. When we're born, we aren't born as individuals. You and I aren't born as individuals. We're not. Like I'm telling you, you're not. You may walk alone for a season, yeah? But you're not born as an individual. 
You may say, it's just me and the Father. It's just me and Jesus. Papa, wrong. Doesn't work like that. That's for that moment where you need to press in deep and know who you are and whose you are, know your faith and walk. But otherwise, you're walking in community. You're walking in family. It's God's design. We aren't born into an individual faith. We're, we're born into God's family, into Daddy's community. Now, I met a couple yesterday um, that I'm marrying in October. True story. Um, they asked me in April, and I said, OK, we need to get together. There's some really important paperwork to do. And about three weeks ago, I got an invite to their wedding and thought, shoot, I forgot. <laughs> oh, that was so bad. Anyway, so we got together finally, because <laughs> it's, you know, time's running out to do the paperwork, things that you've got to do. But I, I met with them, and, and Dan asked me a question. He goes, oh, Andrew, because they used to, the couple, this couple, lovely couple, used to be in our old church, you know, where we used, Mel and I used to go. And so we were good friends. Um, Dan at the time was only young. He was 19 when he came to church. Jacinta was only 17. They didn't know each other then. He was from Castle, Maine. Um, most of you have probably never even heard the story, but in the early days of the Burnley Tunnel, um, Dan was infamous because he drove into this tunnel and he had a moment where he thought, I've never been in this tunnel before. I don't want to be here. So he indicated and started to do a U-turn in the tunnel. <laughs> you know? So it was on, at the time, it was on Hinch. It was on, you know, all those shows and, and I loved it because one of them, I think it was Today, Tonight, that was one of the shows, wasn't it? And their caption of, of Dan doing this U-turn in the Burnley Tunnel was driver with a death wish. You know? <laughs> anyway, we, um, we caught up yesterday and Dan asked me this question and he says, you've got to tell me if this is weird. I go, well, what? He goes, well, this is what happens. His fiancée, Jacinta, and her family... So her brothers, her three brothers, um, Chris, the eldest brother, his wife, the mum, the dad. So immediate family, they get together regularly and they just talk. So Dan wants to know if it's weird because when you're part of the immediate family, you're invited into that circle. And in that circle, they share what's disappointed them about each other. They share what's encouraged them. They ask for advice about, I'm thinking of studying at university and doing this. What do you guys think? You know, all that sort of stuff. So they, they, they put heavy stuff on the table. They, they seek counsel from each other. Uh, they do all of that. Jacinta's dad is Malaysian, but her mum's Australian. And so they've got this mix of culture that's happening. And Dan's saying, it's weird. It's just weird. They got together recently and one of the talking points was how two of the brothers are living together and so Tim was upset with Peter because Peter's not looking after the apartment they're in and like he should just go tell him himself instead of bringing it up. And it was just a really interesting conversation. And I sat there and listened and I couldn't help but think, I thought, wow, that's family. That, that's God's design. Exactly like that. You know, we're in amongst it all. They're, they're still loving each other. There's still moments of frustration and I'm going to step outside. If dad wasn't here, I'm going to kill you. All that sort of stuff, I'm sure. But it was family, working as family. And, and Dan, it was, it was so foreign to Dan. Isn't it so foreign to us sometimes? This is God's family. This is his family that he's adopted us into that he can never disown. Help, advice, counsel, love, the good, the bad, and the ugly, or the brilliant, whichever you prefer. You know, I sat there and I just thought, wow, that's awesome. And then I realised I forgot how to do some of the paperwork and I had to make a phone call to a pastor friend. But, hey, we'll get there. So, for me, that was family being family. It was working out God's design. I don't know about you, but I can't find anywhere where Jesus said, it's just you and me, we don't need anyone else. I can't find it. I've looked, but I can't find it. Where it says, it's just you and me, we don't need anyone else. 
You know, I often hear people that share with me, because I'm a pastor, so I'm biased. I love the church. I love the church. And like Bill Hybels, I believe that the church is the hope of the world. So when someone says, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian, really, please show me where Jesus told us that. Because I believe, I believe from the moment we're saved, Jesus points us to people and he says, welcome to the family. That's what he does. Seriously, could you imagine how bloated the prodigal son would have been if he ate the, fat, the, the fatted calf on his own? Like, they went not for the skinny anorexic rib-showing cow, they grabbed the fatted one, the one that had been beefed up on purpose to have a meal that would be rocking for ages, where the skin would be crispy and the fat would be dripping like, we're talking good stuff. And it was shared not just with him and with daddy because they've got an individual relationship. It was a celebration where the family were involved. That's the church in action again. Yeah, Family, you and I, we're born into this. It's not where we go. It's where we belong. You know, George said when we were with him, that the gathering of the church family in Africa is so different. It goes from day to day, week to week, Sunday to Sunday. They are longing to spend time together. They put chunks of time aside. So it's not like we're meeting with church and then we're going to go do this, 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 and this, and this, and this. It's like, oh, we could do that, but we're meeting with our family. So when that ends... If there's any time left, then we'll get over there. Like it's so back to front compared to us, isn't it? But I'm listening to him speak. I'm going, wow, that's family. That's God's family. That's community in action. Somehow in our culture, people have individualised their faith. But I'm going to step out on a limb here. That's wrong. We're a family. You and I are a family. And if you want to build a sustainable faith, if you want to build a faith where there's an intimacy with Father God, then you need to learn how to live in Father God's family. Because if you can't live in Father God's family, your intimacy with him is going to be left to only the study of the word and your own personal prayer time, which is a necessity, but it's only one of three. Yeah? So enjoy the third of the God that you're going to enjoy. But if you want to get down and dirty and get even more intimate with God, then you need to learn to live in family and get intimate with family and interact with family, get alongside family, champion people, lift them up, encourage them, love to spend time with them. Our faith and our growth in our faith is so dependent on it. See, we can't and we, we cannot experience and grow the way that, that, that Papa's destined for us outside of his design for us, and that's family. It's, it's all linked together. That's why it says in Proverbs in 27.17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I've looked through translation after translation after translation after translation, and I can't find one that says as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens himself. I've looked, I've looked and I've looked and I can't find it. I don't need to be, I don't have to go to church, I don't have to be with family to be a Christian. Ba-ba. Wrong. As iron sharpens iron. The reality is that most people that walk away from a healthy family end up in trouble. From a healthy family, yeah? And the same is true for those that walk away from daddy's family. They walk away from his design. They end up in trouble. There's a quote from Eric Johnson. And he says, When you live in isolation from community, you will always think you have the fruits of the Spirit. I love it. When you live in isolation from community, you will always think you have the fruits of the Spirit. And somebody on Facebook that saw that quote just said, I don't understand that. And I was being really nice. 
Well, it's really easy. See, the fruits of the Spirit are this, it says in Galatians 5.22. The Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Away from community, in isolation. How do you know you're patient? How do you know you're long-suffering? How do you know you've got self-control? Oh, because I do. Good on you, you know? That's great. Fantastic. Let me just see if I can stir you up a little and we'll see if that changes quickly. You only know if those things are a part of your life when you're journeying with family. Because if you've journeyed with your normal, everyday, Monday to Friday family, yeah, you know you're going to be frustrated. You know you're going to be annoyed. You know there's going to be times when you're going, ah! You know there's times you want to jump in the car and just go out. I did that yesterday, Mel, I'm going out. She goes, okay, where are you going? I said, I'm going to visit Dave for a coffee. She goes, bring one of the boys. I said, I'll see you later. I walked out on my own and I drove. Because I just needed to get out. But no one ever has to get out of their homes. I know it's just me because of Nathan and Samuel. It's true, isn't it? In our family, in our church family, there's times we're going to frustrate each other. There are times that if I haven't already offended you, write it down in your diary. It's coming. It's coming. I'm going to offend you. I'm going to say something. And you're going to think, that Battistella, what's he doing in that pastor's role? I'm out of here. That's when you get with the rest of the family and that's when they encourage you and they pick you up and they go, listen, you know what? He's not too bad. We have to look past some of those weaknesses. He's part of our family. We can't disown him. He's been adopted into it. That's right, exactly. That's how family works. You are. Your faith remains in check when you're in family, not away from it, you know? There are, there are times you'll be asked a question by people and you won't have the answer. And that's okay. And you know what you do? You go, listen, hold on to that. So you may be a single person. Here's an example that I read. You're a single person. Someone asks you about marriage. You've never been married. How are you going to answer that question? You're going to go to someone in the family. You're going to say, hey, Trevor, Andrew, Sally, somebody, you guys have been married for what, what, like almost 100 years. Like, tell me, please, give us your wisdom and advice. Thank you. So that's how you do it. Okay, great. So then you go back to that person that asks you that question. You go, you know what? This is what I've just learned. And you share through the experience of others. Because that's family, yeah? We don't have to know it all. We just have to journey together. There are times where God will speak in your heart. You know, There are times where God will speak in your heart and he'll give you a word for you. And you'll think, okay, is this for me? Is this really what you want me to do, God? Now you can sit on it alone, hoping that you'll work it out. Or what you do, you go to a brother, you go to a sister, you go to some people that you love and trust in the family. And you say, you know, I feel like God's saying this, but I'm not sure. Can you pray with me? And so they go away and they come back and they offer counsel. They offer advice. Look, I'm actually feeling like God's saying, hey, this isn't the time just yet. Or they might come back and say, you know what, go for it. It just seems right. It feels right. Because often our answers for life come in the counsel of many, not in isolation. God's design for you and I is family. It's not outside of family. It's not on your own. It's not doing it by yourself. You can go out there and be an evangelist by yourself, but where are you going to bring them? God wants them to be part of the family. So then they're going to come into your home. And then if they're doing what you're doing, they're going to go out and they're going to win someone else for Jesus and then they're going to invite them somewhere, probably back to your home. So before you know it, you'll have a home church Bible study and then it'll be, become a church and then you think, well, I don't want this, I'm going out on my own again. Because God keeps pointing back to family. Come on, give me a round of applause. There's already a mini church happening over there. You know, we won't read it now, but if you read Acts chapter 2, you know, when they're selling up and giving and all that sort of stuff, it's God's church in action. They have realised that they are all family. So they see someone in need and so they help. You know, listen, I've got excess. Maybe I can give you something. Let's journey together. You know, and... What happens often when people isolate themselves and why they isolate themselves is because it becomes really embarrassing to be able to say to somebody else, I need help. No one likes to admit help. 
some of the best kept secrets in the Christian world are between us and God. Yeah? And God's saying, I've got an answer. And you're thinking, oh, I'm not sharing it with anyone else. See, sometimes God's answer comes through his children. Yeah? But you can't get the answer of that person unless you're in relationship with them. It's his family. It's his design. It's what we're destined for. That's why I loved what Dan shared about Jacinta's family. As weird as it sounded. Because I haven't seen it in action like that in a family. It was just so natural all at the same time. There's another great quote by Banning uh, Lipcher in the book that Mel was talking about a few weeks ago. And uh, the book called Deeper. And he says, Nothing destroys the power of shame or offence like choosing to move toward community. Nothing. Nothing. I'm struggling in my faith. I wish I was spending more time, more devotional time with the Lord. Don't worry. I'll, get, I'll pick myself out of this. Six months later, man, you know... I wish my devotional time was better than this. I used to pray lots. I used to read lots. It's okay. I'll work at it. I'll get out of this. A year later, a year and a half, two years later, something as simple as that, your devotional time. But how much easier would it have been if you went to someone in the family, in the community, and said, hey, Rob, you know what? I'm really struggling with my devotional time at the moment. Can you give me a hand? You just see family in action. He'd be like, yeah, sure. Why don't we get together? We'll do a morning. We'll just read together. Because we're meant to carry the load together. We're not meant to have an individualized faith. We're not meant to live isolated, apart from the very thing that he died on a cross for. We're family. And I know some of you are thinking, you know, well, you don't know what my family's like and you don't know what my church family's been like and... You don't know what my pastor's like. Loves coffee more than me. Let's be real for a moment, you know. We know families hurt us. They do. They offend us, frustrate us, annoy us. But in a family, there's health. See, a family builds health. It builds life. It builds advice. It builds trust. Wisdom. You get loved in a family. You know, we can learn from each other. I want us to watch this video. I want to close with this video because I think it sums up God's family really well. I'm mindful of time. So if we can have the lights and just throw this up quickly, that would be great. You've made me suffer. I took that. You're gonna take my boy? Don't you take my son? Don't you take my son? His blood pressure is falling. We're losing him. Sonia, how's Colton? We're in trouble here. He's um. He's not. He's not doing well. He's worse. He's much worse. And I. No. No. Will you call some friends and ask them to pray for him? Of course I will, honey. Right now. I'll pray for you too. Jay, we got a problem. Please help us watch over this little boy. He's very precious. I've heard him say so many times what a fine young man you are. I have a favor I'd like to ask. For our brother, for his family, for his boy. Rose, it's Nancy from the church. Colton Burpo is in the hospital and he may not live.
Mrs. Burple. God has designed it that way. That is why he died for us. That is why we are born again into what is called his family. That's why he adopted us so that he would never disown us. Because when you and I are going through stuff, there's a family we can turn to. It's a family that we can learn from. There's a family that can encourage us. It's a family that can share wisdom and give us advice. There's a family that, that will walk with us. Yeah? There's love in abundance in family, not in isolation. And it's in that family that we build a deeper intimacy with the Father. It's in that family that our, our roots go down deeper. You know, Peter showed us a great picture at, at Friendship Group of a plant that it was so small at the top, but its roots were so, so deep underneath the ground. You want roots like that? Family. That's you and I. That's us. And the reality is, the truth is, some of us need to repent yeah, of the way that we've thought about family. Some of us need to repent about the way that we've thought about God's family and God's church. And we need to align our hearts right so that we can walk this journey together. See, so don't... Don't despise the days of small beginnings. Those that are, that are entrusted with us, that, that are faithful with the small things, will be entrusted with much. And when God sees a family that's in, in unity, there's safety. <laughs> that's why it says in Psalm 133 how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Yeah? It's us as a family. This is strength personified. This is God personified. We just got to get on the same page. Jump into the same chapter, amen? What does the Bible say? It says that, that the enemy is a, is a devouring, roaring lion. He's a, he's, a, he's a roaring lion. He's waiting to devour. What's, who is he waiting to devour? He's waiting to devour those that have isolated themselves from their family. You know, that's all. You can get a whole school of fish and put them in a tank with a big fish. That big fish will leave them alone. But the minute one swims on its own, within 24 hours it'll be gone. Within 24 hours of the next one doing it, it'll be gone. Because that big fish in that pond will just wait for that one that isolates itself so it can have a feed. But what, even though they're much smaller, when they're in a school, they're left alone. That's a picture of what God has for us. That's why when we're born again, that's why we're an adopted. He points us to people. He points us to family and goes, here. See, family believes in you. Family encourages you. Family gives us wisdom and pours love into our lives. It heals us. It prays for us. It unites us. Yeah? Why don't we all stand? God designed us to need each other. And the enemy will do anything to separate us. And the truth is, I need you, each and every one of you. Yeah? And some of you may have to take a deep breath, because I'm sorry to say that some of you may need me. <laughs> but we need each other because we are God's family. We are God's family. I want to be encouraged by you. I want to walk alongside you. I want to lift you up when you need lifting up. And I want others to lift me up and to lift each other up as we need it. That's family. I want us to share our wisdom with one another. 
And I want to be the person that says in a conversation, hey, is this weird? As a church, we get together and this is what we do. We share about some things and we talk about some things and we ask for counsel and we get wisdom and the other people say, what, you do that? Because on that other side of the desk, I wasn't thinking it was weird. I was thinking, wow, that's awesome. That's us. That's the picture we take out there. Amen? Let's just close our eyes for a minute and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son. We thank you, God, more importantly, for your family. Father, your church. Father, we thank you that not only did you die for it, Lord, that we might have new life, Father. Thank you that we're born again into your family. But thank you, Lord God, that you even went as far as adopting us, Lord, that you would never disown us. Father, may we as a people become more and more like your son, Jesus. Father, may our family, may our Mount Clear Church family be such an example to the families in Ballarat just on their own. Father, other church families, may we all grow in wisdom and in strength. Father, as we seek, God, to reach the lost. Father, you are so good and you are so, so good to us. So, so good to us. And I just want to finish by reading that scripture in that God's, God's word translation. In case I'm delayed, I want you to know how people are members of God's family must live. God's family is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. And everybody in the house said, have an awesome coffee, have a wonderful Sunday, give someone a hug and love your family in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.